0: All right. Well, welcome to the all of life show, everybody. I am one of your hosts, Stuart White, along with my wife,
1: Alicia White.
0: And today we are very blessed to have a guest with us, Tyler Smith, uh, author of the book Searching for Seven. And uh, Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? We are doing really well. We're really glad to have you here with us today. Tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, tell us about yourself. What's your story?
2: Yeah. I've been uh, married to my beautiful wife, Caitlin, for almost five years. And we have two daughters uh, that are three and one, you know, like everyone else. Life's been a little crazy lately, but uh, you know, we're uh, plugging right along. And uh, you know, there, I'm blessed to be able to do a lot of different things. Uh, you mentioned the book that just came out in June. Uh, I've been in youth ministry for about 15 years and also a girls varsity basketball coach. And I uh, do some sports writing for uh, the Pacers and IU basketball here in Indiana. So, lot going on, but I love it all. I feel like, you know, each, each different thing that I get to do is uh, for a purpose and, um, you know, get to do lots of these different things and meet a lot of people and, um, it's, it's exciting.
0: That's awesome. Um, so tell us, uh, how did you, how did you get into youth ministry? What was the, what was the impetus to that?
2: So that was something that, um, It was something i was doing to where god was like hey this is actually what i want you to do you know for your career Um, i had no intention when i went to college of getting into ministry you know my first year i went to indiana state and then god actually used basketball to get me to transfer to a christian school in illinois and then after one year of being there again i had no intention of ministry it was all about communications and sports and all that stuff Um, there was a local youth group that called me and said hey would you want to start up a youth program here for the summer so it's supposed to be just a summer thing, and that was 15 years ago. I've been doing it ever since. So it was, you know, some people I think know at a young age, or maybe later on, what God wants them to do for a job. For me, it was, hey, I'm I'm doing this, and then it was, you know, through the experience I it that God was like, hey, you know, this is this is what you're gonna do. So I was like, all right, let's do it.
0: That's awesome. It's funny how, um, like, we I I moved to we live in Central Oregon and originally moved here about 15 years ago, and it was to lead worship at a church, uh, this little small church, and I remember moving there, and I hadn't, when I first visited, I hadn't met Alicia yet, so had no prospects of of anything like that, and I remember going to the town and being like, God, is this really where you want me to go? I'm never going to meet my wife here, and then little did I know the town I was moving from, I go back that summer. Uh, before moving up here and who do I meet but this lovely lady next to me over here there you go
1: and then six and a half months later we were married
0: (laughs) it was sort of a whirlwind (laughs) yeah I had a similar story
2: because I thought I was going to meet my wife when I moved to Florida I was like I got to get it get away and go meet my wife didn't happen and then within a few weeks of moving home I met my now wife so
1: tell us that story because I heard there's a I heard there's a fun little engagement story there
2: yeah, well actually uh you know when I moved back I knew the 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 senior pastor that was at this church um had no idea that he had kids <laughs> and, uh, um you know I'm I had a chance to uh to meet his kids and I uh, you know, ended up marrying uh, yeah. one of them. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, the engagement story, I, uh, I had written a song a long time ago about my future wife called can't wait. And I didn't have music to it, but I was like, this is the perfect time. She keeps asking me to sing to her, but I'm kind of too nervous to do it. I can sing on a stage, but like one-on-one, I'm just, I don't know. It's kind of awkward for me.
1: Yeah.
2: So I, I called a that. buddy and said, Hey, I, I have this song written down. I need you to give me a guitar part, and record it. I took her to this uh, trail that we like to walk on. And I was like, hey, I brought my music player. We should listen to some music while we're out here. And then I sang her that song and proposed. And thankfully, nobody came by because I was like, imagine if you're proposing and, you know, there's like a pit bull or something that walks by. It yeah. <laughs> would be
0: kind of weird. but Bite your face off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why I laugh at that because I picture... Uh... Like, oh, what's this over here? Oh, look, a radio. (laughs) Let's push this button. And then just a bunch of like a band of mariachis jumps out or something. I don't know why.
1: It's funny. Stu actually had written a song. I don't know if it was for his future wife, but he wrote a song, but he didn't have any words to it. He only had music to it. And so, and I always wanted him to like put words to it and everything. And he ended up recording it. And that was the song that I walked down the aisle to. Well, but it nice. still does not have words to it was it. a
0: super uh <laughs> low budget low quality recording, but but it worked. We were I loved just like we're just glad it. to be getting married. Yeah,
1: yeah. We were on a shoestring budget anyway yeah. for our wedding, but it was great. We had everyone there and it was it was a, a fun day.
0: So um Tyler, tell us a little more uh about the book. First of all, what's up with the title? Searching for seven. What what does that even mean?
2: Yeah, so seven is kind of a, a double meaning. Um scripturally, seven can be the number of God, uh can mean Perfection, completeness. So it's like, in a way, I'm looking for that, but I'm also searching for my own faith seven days a week. Um, and it was, I, I've been through a lot in life, I've, you know, a lot of experiences. And so, have all these stories, you know, some from the book or from, you know, just this past year, some are from high school or college. um, But all these things that as I was writing down notes um, to write a book, I was like, it all kind of fits this whole idea. It's pretty cohesive of looking for God all seven days, not just at church, um, not just when you get the promotion or um, have bad news, you know, just in every situation. Um, So the title kind of came to me after writing probably four or five chapters and uh, it really fit. So I ran with it.
0: It it definitely has a a, what is it an alliteration to it Mm -hmm. searching for? I like that. Um, so, so dig dig into that a little more with us. What, why do people, uh, what what is the benefit, I guess, of seeking the Lord, searching for Him seven days versus just one? What, what's the, um, what's the loss that they might actually experience if they're, you know, kind of eh, one day, one hour on one day a week is kind of the thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's what we're created for. We are created for relationships. You know, if you look at Jesus in his ministry, some of it was preaching in a synagogue or on a mountaintop, but most of it was with people, you know, he, he poured his life into, you know, 12 lives. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of his ministry was just out in public when somebody, you know, a need arose or, you know, just meeting these people. And, um, you know, it, it was uh, very, very intentional as well. And I think that, you know, there's another verse that I, I think of a lot in Ephesians about how we're created in Christ to do good works. So it's like we are created to put faith to action. We are created um, for those things. And if we don't do those things, it's like, you know, we were created for it. We're, we're kind of, you know, um, mistaken of, of what our entire life is for. And, you know, Jesus said, follow me way more than he said, just believe in me. And it's, you know, meant to be an adventure or pursuit. And I just feel like, you know, there's there's so many people and I've been this way at, at times in my life as well, where it's if I'm just relying on Sunday and I don't really think of God or hear from God much or put much action in my faith after that, then not only am I missing out on, you know, the fruit that could come from that relationship with my creator but then I'm not really going to be you know, impacting other people the way he wants me to if I'm not doing those things.
1: What What was it in your life specifically that brought you to the point of wanting to write not only a book, but this book specifically?
2: I think I had the idea probably four or five years ago, and I wanted to combine you know, my ministry uh, teaching experience with my sports writing experience and um, eventually got to a point of, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but it's like, I can't not do this. It was one of those, like, I, I need to do this. So I had this idea for a long time and then it was at the end of 2018 that I was like, okay, it's time. I need to stop. You know, some people have struggle, trouble finishing things. Some people struggle starting things. But for me, if I get started on something, I'm good to go. Even if it's like a sermon or something that, or a blog, like once I get going, then I'm good. And so I just needed that, like, got to do this, uh, moment. And, and again, writing those notes down, I was like a lot of these things that have happened in my life. have kind of, um, you know, led me to this point. So
0: it's good. I, um, in reading your book, I, I would, I would just tell people like, I found it, it's very accessible. It's very, it's easy to read. It's, um, you know, like it's written. So, you know, some, some authors or, or Christian authors, like It tends to be this intellectual pursuit, maybe more than anything. And so like they try to make it just a little harder for for the average guy like myself to to just dig into it. And I feel like you you weren't trying to do that. You weren't trying to make it any more than being yourself. And uh, I I appreciated that because it's just very accessible to to understand you're you're right to the point. Um, what, what would you say as, uh, as a youth minister, when, as you've been doing that, and, um, I'm assuming kind of teaching this type of idea to youth, what would you say has been the impact and, and to Christians in general, not just necessarily kids, but what have you seen come about as people have realized, oh, I'm a Christian seven days a week. I'm, I'm worshiping Jesus, not just on Sunday, but every day.
2: I think you know. There's just been a lot of uh, fruit to come from it from the people that um, that actually do those things, and I, you know, being in ministry for so long. There's all these, you know, kids that go off to college and, and, and sometimes it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'll be honest. I'm worried about this group of kids because they're the ones that have just been the more participating on Sunday kind of people. And you try everything you can, like at some point you're going to have to realize this um, and you do everything you can, you know, um, to help them understand that the ones that are going on the trips and they're, they have a ministry of their own, they're serving. Those are the ones that I'm like, okay, they're going to be able to withstand, you know, the struggles. That, or the temptations um the the tough conversations that they're about to have in college and those kind of things so i feel like trying to point out to people when i see those you know the good things happening and you know trying to encourage those who are maybe not living it out um you know you're, you're not going to reach every person obviously but um you know i think the more we can point out uh the fruit that we see and the good that we see in people, um, the better. And, and sometimes it's, I think this is a Bob Goff example. He talked about how it's like, you know, Jesus told Peter that he was a rock before he was one because he saw that in him. And then Peter became the rock of the church. So, um, it's kind of that call out the good in people and and try to walk alongside them to encourage them.
0: Uh, I, I like that a lot. I, um, I just appreciate that what we see today, I think is a Culture in Christianity, especially a young, uh, among the youth, where they that you know they say that they statistically are most likely to leave the church to leave their faith, uh, and you know, in some aspects, people are just saying I don't I don't know that they were ever saved, and it you know there's a lot of validity to that possibility I think. But what I'm noticing is they're probably seeing a few different things, and and one is. That faith that of their parents that is perhaps just lived out in a public fashion on a Sunday. and they're surrounded, just inundated with this culture, you know more more than ever. Like I, I remember cell phones coming out. I, like as a kid, you know, not to tip my my hat a little bit to the <laughs> to how old I am, but um I remember, smartphones coming about like when when the very first iPhone came out came out and i remember when people were just beginning to start texting prior to the, to the, all that stuff and just seeing how the accessibility that upcoming generations have like um you, you know you mentioned you have two little ones and we we have three that they have never known a generation without this sort of instant uh, gratification Instant scroll it up. It's not just like the microwave generation anymore, where I can just heat a meal up, like, and have to wait. It's like I can literally click a button, and immediately they can be watching uh, whatever show they want, whatever thing they want. And there's this pursuit of their hearts and minds that's happening, whether we realize it or not. And you know that that I think is something that's affecting them um, more than anything, you know, like they say kids go to school and they're, they're gone for X amount of hours during the day. Although right now, probably not, but, um, one, it's summer and two, who knows what's going to happen in the the coming school year. But the other thing is they we're we're expected like with the hour or two as parents that we might have with our children in the evening. That that's going to be the primary thing that influences them as they grow, and it just I think we're finding that isn't the case. the The influence that we have over our children is being hijacked, and uh, I appreciate that your approach is we want to pull them back in. We want to we want to both demonstrate lives that are living for Christ full time. You know, we're really all in full time ministry if we're believers, right? But But uh, getting away from this, like, oh, well, we'll just kind of, whatever, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. We'll let our kids do whatever they want. Um, and I, I'm encouraged by your book because of that. Um, so in, in the book, you, you share this story about how you got started in youth ministry and kind of, there was like a funny little uh, little quip that you added in there that was just like your very first reaction to being asked, hey, do you want to be a youth pastor and what, can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: <laughs> my first reaction was, yes, I don't have to do the summer factory job um, <laughs> because every summer for like the last three or four leading up to that, I would, you know, just work like crazy in the summer factory to try to, you know, raise money for that next school year. And that was my first reaction because, again, I had no intention at that time of going into it. I mean, I was, um, you know, still excited to work with kids and, and, you know, try it out. But again, the whole, t- I mean, it's probably even, uh, you know, a year or two into it before I realized it's something I, you know, maybe God wants me to do full time, but, um, it's, it's interesting how, uh, you know, you can look back years later and kind of laugh at some of your, your thoughts or reactions. And that was mine, but I'm glad that I still had a willingness to dive into it instead of, you know, being afraid of it or ignoring it. Um, so I remember those first few meetings, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have any training. Um, you guys want to play dodgeball you guys, you know, what do you do here? You know, uh, but it's, it's, you know, God was with me. And so, you know, thankfully it worked out.
0: Would you, uh, how would you describe yourself? Like, I know a lot of people think, oh, well, if you're in in youth ministry, you're going to be this extroverted, insane person who maybe just qualifies just enough to be able to teach. (laughs) Like that's kind of the standard a lot of times. What, what would you say is your personality type and, uh, and, and all that?
2: I'd say most of the time I'm introverted. Uh, I think when it comes to the job or certain uh, sports related things, I can be extroverted, but um, I think people would be surprised. Maybe not, but um, there's a lot of introverts that are in ministry. And so sometimes that's, you know, if, if you're in the crowd or you're like part of that church, you may, you know, you may be kind of taken back when it's the the personal, when you see him on stage and then you talk to him in person, you're like, whoa, is there like a disconnect here? And then they don't really understand that. Certain parts of the job can be more natural or more, you know, in your wheelhouse than uh, you know being in a room full of people or those kind of things. But yeah, I want to encourage anyone who is, you know, not extroverted. There's a lot of things that you can you can do and uh, you know not worry about uh, certain job titles that may not um, think in your mind that you fit that.
1: I have a question for you, Tyler. Um, I think a lot of times something that I have heard or thought about um, the idea of like I'm going to put this together. Uh, when you're physically conditioning yourself, you're going to the gym, you're getting ready uh, to for a, a physical goal or you just want to get your body in shape. There's this period of time where you go or, or you're like, I know I have to start this. I've got to start working out. I'm really not wanting to do this. Then you start going to the gym. It becomes a habit. Um, And that has been related to a spiritual walk for people before or a searching for God. So if you had someone, one of your, the youth that's under you or just anyone come up to you and say, Tyler, I, I want to know more about God. I want to make it a habit searching for him, but I don't like... I don't, I don't feel that like, I I want to know more about God, but I don't feel that longing or that, um, to, to pursue him. What would you say to that?
2: That's a great question. I think that, uh, You know, I would have a conversation with them about, you know, what discipline is, you know, disciplining yourself, um, which in Hebrews is like, you know, no no disciplines pleasant at the time, but um, what it can produce later, you know, it's like, you know, I love the analogy of going to the gym. It's never something that I'm like really wanting to do or like I I don't really wake up in the morning and think I can't wait to eat healthy today. You know, that's. That's not really a thought that crosses your mind but it's a form of discipline Um, and i think that you know when you're able to uh you know start that process then you can sometimes see you can hear from god and and see what god is is doing Um, i also try to tell people one of the messages of the book i think is is telling people that you have to figure out what works for you because how i hear from god how i feel close to god may be completely different than how you do. But a lot of people, and this was me early in life, I used to never really even do anything or try anything to hear from God other than go to church. When, like like Tozer said, if, if that's all, you know, if a pastor's preaching is all you're relying on, you're a long way from where you need to be. So it's like a part of that is your own discipline, walk alongside them, have an accountability partner, mentor to say like, here's some things you can do and um, serve. And here's, here's what's helped me. And when I study scripture, you know, maybe you can hear from God more if you do it this way, just, you have to figure out, you know, cause it's that important. You know, what works for me? How do I feel close to God? How do I learn from him? And at times when I'm not feeling it, I need to discipline myself to keep with it. And then hopefully that'll help me grow.
0: Awesome. I, um, I, there was a section in the book where you talk about, uh, I believe it was called the 99. Uh, uh it was like a traveling theater group thing. Tell, tell us about that. And, and what was that? It sounded like it had just this huge impact on you so much so that, well, I'll let you tell the story. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I was in Indianapolis at the time, and uh, we heard of this uh, big meeting that all the local pastors were going to, and they said, there's this big traveling production theater coming to Indy for three weekends in a row coming up. We need to tell you all about it. Uh, we got there, and they told us, we need 200 volunteers every night. And uh, they, they set up this huge, like I forget how many square foot, I put it in the book, but I forget the number, how many square foot uh, tent in outside a, a mall parking lot. And basically what it means, the 99 means there's 99 young people that die every day from poor choices. So each room is either five and a half minutes or 11 minutes in each room. It's like real actors depicting, you know, one of those choices that they make. So all these, it's only like two bucks to attend. They put it on the news on average. They said like, I forget how many thousands of people come through it in those three weekends per city. Um, but then as they get towards the end of it, there's a room that depicts hell. And then there's a room where there's a ministry room. And then there's a room full of counselors if they want to talk after it. So most of, you know, most of the people that go don't know that it's actually a gospel-centered event. Um, they've just seen it on the news and they think it's this cool thing to go through. Um, well, when I went to the meeting, they said, I said, sign me up for whatever, careful what you wish for. They said, we need you in the ministry room. And I was like, that's actually the one place I didn't want to go because, you know, being an introvert and being kind of like, well, I'm comfortable with my group, but you know, sharing the gospel with thousands of people that don't know it's coming, like, how are they going to react to this? Is there somebody more qualified than me? I had all these, you know, thoughts in my mind, but I kept saying, we really need it. We're really short in that area. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And it was one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had, you know, getting a chance to like literally speak to thousands of people, you know, my room, it had, it was 11 minutes. So there was a short video clip and then I would share the gospel to the best of my ability with a new group every 11 minutes. Then I would say your next room is a room full of people that want to talk to you to process what's going on. Um, I loved it so much that I ended up saying, Where's the next city? And they said, We're going to Louisville, which is like three hours away. So I went for another weekend just because I loved it so much. And I I just I noticed that before I was kind of talking like Moses, where I was like, I can't do this. Like pick somebody else. And God told Moses, like, I'm the one that made your mouth. I know, I know you can do this. And I had one of those moments. And from that point on, I started to say yes to more things ministry related, instead of like being one of those people that's always finding excuses, like, Oh, I can't, I got to do this. I got to do that, you know, or find someone else found myself saying yes, because if I, you know, did this big event, then from then on, like, maybe it's God's, maybe God's the one asking when someone says, Hey, can you do this? Or have you ever thought about this? Maybe it's God saying, you know, here's your opportunity. So I started to take those opportunities more often.
0: That's really cool. I When I was reading about that group, I was like, wow, that's, that's really interesting. Did you have anybody just out of curiosity go, what? Like, I didn't know this was, and then they just get super mad and they just march out of there or, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's got to no. be somebody, but.
2: Nobody marched out. And honestly, I was shocked of how many, because they said about 80% are on church that go through it. So you would think there'd be some, some reactions, but it's almost like what they've been through and seen in the previous, like 30 minutes or however long it was, it really kind of breaks them down and opens up like, man, what's, you know, Mm -hmm. what's this message about? So I did have a few people, actually one lady, I remember, cause I looked right at her. Um, I was like, when I started sharing, she went, she was like looking, you know, shaking her head, looking right at me like, Nope, Nope. But then after the video and talking through, like when she was leaving to the next room, it was like, she was different for some reason. It was just like, I don't know, maybe God is speaking to her in some way, but I think if for the people, maybe if they didn't like it, they were, they still were like, this is a production. So I'm just going to, you know, behave in this moment. But I was shocked by the the positive reactions of it.
1: What's your answer? If a Christian comes up to you and says, well, especially because in the, in the very beginning of your book, you talk about like, if you want to start the process of seeking the Lord, you get into ministry, like you start serving somewhere. Um, So I come to you and I say, Tyler, i I like, just like you said, when you got called to the ministry room, first off, I don't feel qualified for this. Pick somebody else. What's your answer to that?
2: Yeah. I would show them that story. I would show them, you know, so many other stories of like, you know, these are fishermen and, uh, tax collectors and and farmers that Jesus called. Um, you know, it's like, um, you know, I don't really know anyone that, uh, was really qualified to do what they're about to do. And, uh, it's just, uh, I would also show them the story of the, like the person that was blind and was healed. And they asked him about Jesus and he was like, I don't know much about him. I just know I was blind now I see. Mm-hmm. So I would just try to encourage like whatever God has done in your life, you know, there's no such thing as a boring story. There's no such, you know, if you were, if you were dead, now you're alive. That's incredible. And you need to find any opportunity you can to share that. Um, and really you know, some people that are like ashamed of their past, like show them. You know, the woman at the well. She was, she had this past she was ashamed of, and then she meets Jesus, and what she want to do? She wants to go into the town right away and tell everyone about her past because she's no longer like ashamed. She's like, I want to show you, share my story. of, You know, who forgave me? So. Um, and then each, each individual person, I would try to um, ask them questions about like, what are you passionate about? What are some talents you have? Let's find something that you can do as a ministry. Um, and it can be anything. I mean, I've talked to guys, you know, who are like big into video games. Like have you ever thought about when you're online asking, you know, the buddies about like, hey, do you go to church is curious. I mean, you can use anything as ministry. So I would start there what are you good at what are you passionate about maybe uh, what's a, a problem in the world that makes you angry in a good way like a righteous anger of like I want to I want to help that um, and then try to walk alongside them and say you you can do this like you are you are qualified to share what he's done in your life and um, go from there
0: yeah I like that yeah. because it's like that approach of what is in your hands you know what is God given you if you recognize like everything that I have is from the Lord, and and even you mentioned it earlier, the Moses thing, I gave you the mouth, the mouth that you're saying you can't speak with. I think I can put words in it. You know, God God can do it. I, I've, I've myself, I've wrestled with, sometimes you just go, is the reason that I don't really see a lot of, of like, I'm not even saying miracles, but things like where, oh, wow, that that was definitely a divine meeting, is because I'm sitting there telling myself, no, no, God wouldn't do that. He wouldn't want me to talk to that person instead of just like what if I what if I viewed every moment of every day as if God wants to do something in any way whatsoever even if it's just using me to go um, tell my wife that you know Jesus loves her or something or point point her to Jesus um, and not just that but also work in my own heart my own uh, mind and transform me so if I'm you know, hanging out at you know the health food store like McDonald's, and I, yeah. and I and I'm standing in line, and I hear somebody behind me having a conversation that kind of piques my my interest. And if I turned around and just started talking to them and sa- and said, "Hey, I, I noticed you're talking about uh, blah blah blah," you know, it just. Engaging with people in a way where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm like you. I'm, I'm a little more on that introverted side. I tend to uh, recharge on on my own and then go out and, and do my thing. Um, but I can get on a stage in front of people, but sometimes one-on-one with somebody that I, I've just met, I'll be like, well, I don't want to make them feel awkward. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. to, to take that step and say, I'm going to just believe that God wants to do something right now because I believe he's always Doing something, and whether we we choose to act in it or not, isn't going to like blow up his will necessarily, but it's going to mean that I missed out on that opportunity to love people like Jesus loves them, to tell people that Jesus loves them, to um, bring them hope. Because you just you don't know who you're going to encounter, and like like your thing with that that ninety nine ministry it It sounds like all these people deep down that are coming through like eighty percent unchurched that 's unreal like most most churches would love to be able to hit that many people and know hey i 'm preaching the gospel, and these people have never heard it before, or if they have, yep. this is the first time they may respond um, just just to have that kind of opportunity to to preach and and teach and have people respond is incredible. And so, yeah, when I heard when I read that part, I was like, wow, that's that's not not just an interesting ministry approach, but your point in, hey, I'm afraid. I don't want to go I don't want to do this. But then by the end of it, you were so like pumped that you're like, sign me up for the next town. I'm going to drive three hours away and hang out here yeah. all weekend. Like that, that is a huge impact of seeing, wow, God is doing something. I just want to hop in the boat. I just want to be there as he's doing that work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many stories of my life that, and, and some are in the book about that too, to see, you know, again, the youth ministry thing, even though my, my motives weren't always great, I still was like, all right, I'm going to do it and, and try it. Um, And then like chapter two, I talk about all these, these different, you know, ideas to serve. And it's like, you know, if, if you feel like God is this center, you feel like you don't know what your purpose is, go serve places, you know, and then God can reveal through that, you know, like how many times do you hear someone, um, you know, serve at a homeless shelter or a mission trip and then say, I don't know where God is, or I don't know, you know, what my purpose is. Usually they come back from those experiences and they're like, man, I saw God working and I had this conversation and this, and they're just blown away by it. It's because, you know, we've got to get off the couch from time to time, get off Mm -hmm. our phones and, you know, go, go do stuff. Even if we don't feel qualified or good at it or prepared for it. And then, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, is going to, going to work. So it's gonna be great.
1: Isn't it funny how we get stuck in our heads specifically when it comes to service or ministry in on that topic about that, that, um, lack of confidence or lack of faith that the Lord will show up to give us the provision needed, like in that moment when in every area of life, pretty much like we talk, like you go to college and you try different things. You try different majors, minors, whatever you change your major, you just, ah, that wasn't for me or I love that. I really connected with that or internships like or job in high school. You do job shadows, you know, like you try different things out to see what you connect with or or what you what you feel confident in or what happens if you go down this road. But for whatever reason, when it comes to ministry and it, maybe it's because there's this big, huge idea of what is, oh, we're working for the Lord, <laughs> you know, he's a big boss, but he's also like the most powerful one that will give you all the tools to do the job that he's called you to do. So why not yeah. just go out there and try it? And, and if if nothing comes of certain things that you try, which something will, we've seen that with your stories and stories in our own life. It, it, was was it really such a big deal to just go out and love people? You know, <laughs> just to yeah. serve them and love them. And we're sitting here thinking, ah, oh, we're not qualified.
0: Yeah, I would yeah. almost say like there's like a if if you are not uncomfortable from time to time, there's a good chance that you're missing out on something. Like we need to take uh, a hard look at ourselves and remove the insulating things in our lives that are preventing us from stepping out, from from speaking up, from uh, loving somebody like Christ would love them uh, and does love them. And and being even bold uh, with friends who maybe are believers and saying, Hey, I I love you, and because I love you, I have to tell you something that I think this thing in your life is hurting you. It's it's taking your joy. Um, those those are the kinds of things right now. I, I it's always needed, but especially there is so much hurt and brokenness and pain going on right now in the midst of all of the quarantine lockdown. Everybody is in fear of what's going on, and. Christians especially, we're the ones who we we believe we have the answer of all the answers, Jesus Christ. But we are acting often like, oh no, we're all we're all screwed. This is, you know, what whatever's gonna happen, that the world is coming to an end. It, it could be, but hey that means we get to be with Jesus. So, uh yeah. it, it's a bit like the apostle Paul he's like whether whether I stay here or I get to go be with the Lord uh, with the Lord. I am the Lord's like I it, that's that's all that really matters. And if we can have what I believe your book is is pushing is this idea of 7 days a week, I'm I'm gospel minded, I'm Christ centered. It's not just a A list of do's and don'ts or anything like that. It's actual daily recognition of relationship with Jesus. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen that Francis Chan uh, example where he has this long rope and he's like, This is like eternity that never ends. And we're living for this. There's like a little red line. It's like, Oh, all we care about this is, you know, if I work really hard here, then I can get to this last part and retire. And we just have like, it's a lot of backwards thinking a lot of times of, you know, As you were saying, you know, all these different things that we put our effort into and try different things. But when it's something that's even more important, like an eternal thing with our faith, we're just like, oh, I'll keep it personal, private, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll go to church and then, uh, you know, won't bother anyone else. But think about, you know, one day when, when our lives are over, um, what are our thoughts going to be like? You know, like people on their deathbed, they're never like, Oh, I wish I would have, you know, spent more time trying to make money. Or Mm -hmm. I wish I would have got more likes on Instagram. You know, most of the time they're like, if they have regrets, it's like, I wish I would have spent more time with people and sharing the gospel. And so we got to, we got to, you know, reflect on that before that time comes.
0: Yeah. Good, good word, man. That's, it's so true. Um, Tell us real quick. I I found this pretty, pretty funny in the book. Uh, What is the Tyler and Ian award?
2: (laughs) So senior year high school, we, we went to a different school for the last two hours of the day for a radio TV class. Um, and with that, we went out to lunch every single day. Uh, we went to a different fast food place every day, uh, tried to make funny voices in the in the drive through, and all that fun stuff. But at the end of the year, we thought, let's make an award, like who served us the best at, out of all these restaurants. And we decided that Arby's, where we were living, uh, served <laughs> us the best that year. And so um, we made a fake award <laughs> and we called it, the Tyler and Ian award and it looked somewhat official cause it was in a frame, but I mean, it said the Tyler and Ian award and it said, uh, like Montgomery County's, uh, you know, best fast food establishment, whatever, you know, 2003, I think was the year. So, um, we, we went in there thinking it was just a joke and just had fun with it. And they are like, hold on, hold on. Let's get the manager over here. And the manager comes over, gets a photo with us. Still, we're thinking they're going to realize it's not legit. Um, turns out they put it in its frame right by the cash register on the front wall where everyone can see it. And it was on there for four years. <laughs> I mean, I was like almost through college and I would come back and see this fake award that we made. And I was like, sometimes I would you know, tell them I'm Tyler from the Tyler Neen Award. And they would look at me like, oh, OK, cool. Did you get free food? Uh, I was trying, but it didn't work. <laughs> but we we still wonder to this day, like whoever took it down, it was probably like some manager that was like proud of it and has it yeah. in their basement or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah. That, that chapter is just about illusions and, you know, things that it's so easy to, or I guess so hard to know what's, what's true and what's fake, you know, in the world and so yeah, that was a that was a fun, fun moment to reflect on. Four yeah. years.
0: <laughs> yeah, I liked that example there. That was that was really good. Um, so just wrapping things up, what how have you seen the gospel transform the lives of kids, especially in in teaching this concept of pursuing Jesus every day?
2: It's probably my favorite thing of, of being in ministry, you know, seeing kids grow. Yeah. It's going to have ups and downs and frustrations. Um, but the the rewards far outweigh anything that's negative. Um, especially if you just, you know, keep that mindset in place. Um, yeah, seeing a kid, especially if they, they come through your ministry as like a, a little seventh grader that, you know, is off the wall and crazy and doesn't care about the, the Bible teaching. And then they graduate and it's like, wow, you're a completely different person. Like, look at these photos or videos of how you used to be. And now you're, you know, going to Bible college or you're going to um, a, a secular college, but you're ready to share the gospel there. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see it. Um, I I always like to share this uh, particular story of this kid who was literally two days away from taking his own life. And we had this event coming up and it turns out the school actually did us a favor. We we went to the school to say, can we pass out flyers? They said, no. We said, could one of our students uh, or a couple of our students pass them out? And they said, that's okay, but you can't do it. So we, we uh, had these two girls in our youth group um, pass them out. Well, one of our, girls went up to this particular kid who was uh, suicidal and said, Hey, you're going to this. And he was like, okay, sure. So he goes to, to the event, which is the next day and gives his life to Christ. Um, you know, went from depressed and suicidal to following Jesus. He is now very much in ministry, um, whatever he can do to share the gospel. You know, that's just, that's powerful to see those kind of things. And it wasn't like, "Hey, I'm, I went to this event and I'm a finished product. It was, wow, I'm open to this, this life-changing message. How can I be part of it? And then he had uh, myself and another mentor. So he's got two mentors daily, kind of checking in with him, walking with him. Um, He made some friends in the youth group, started getting involved in that, started doing own ministry. So it really became not just the event, but like, you know, a daily, uh, daily search. And, uh, you know, it's incredible when you see what the gospel can do.
0: That's awesome. I, you know, even in thinking about Luke, he was, prepared to lose his life because of despair or or whatever the reasons, but something coming, coming out in the fullness of despair and suicide uh, being planned. And ultimately, it was in losing his life to Christ he found it. That, to me, is like the picture of the gospel. I almost think that's why you see so many people, when they hit that area of hopelessness, uh, they, there is this weird conclusion that people draw of, well, I just need to give up. I need, I need to lose it all. And it's like, well, if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna lose it all, let's lose it all to Jesus. Let's lose it all. And what have you got to lose except what you were just about to give up anyway? So put your faith in jesus trust in jesus he's going to be the one to redeem you to transform you and i love that story it's beautiful just to hear that the gospel went forth this this kid found that god loved him and it didn't necessarily make everything perfect right away like you said but he knew jesus and like the blind man going all i know is he healed me that's all i know i don't i don't know anything at this moment but i'm sure like that blind man that he grew and is growing and is in process uh, as we all are. So I, I appreciate you sharing that story. Um, well, Tyler, we really thank you for coming on the show. I know you've got to go. Um, we, what, what are some ways that people can reach you? How can they find your book uh, and any of that stuff?
2: Best place is the book's website because um, even if you don't want the book, there's uh, links to like social media, um, different ways you can connect or my blog or things like that. So, the book's website is for 7com It'll take you directly to uh, where you can purchase, or again, like I said, those other um, opportunities uh, to connect. And I actually even put my phone number in the back of the book. So, I'm I'm an open book. I uh, love to uh, talk with people, um, text or call just to continue the conversation. So, would love that.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. We, we appreciate having you on, taking the time. Uh, and we hope the book is just a great success for you. And again, if you guys want to find it, you can go to the site and we will throw those links in the show notes for everybody else. And um, if you have anything else, if you want to reach out to us or uh, anything like that, you can find us at uh, alloflifeshow.com. And you can also email us at what's the email?
1: Feedback at alloflifeshow.
0: That is true. Um, And also we have all our social medias, so you can find us there. So thank you guys for listening. God bless you. We pray that this episode was something that made an impact in your life and that you will, as uh, the title of the book is, you will be searching for seven. You'll be searching for Jesus seven days a week. God bless.